The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening. It's nice to see you here. I know there is a Warriors game tonight. (laughs) Seems to be a draw. (laughs) So the topic this evening is um, receptive awareness. And it's um, it's both a a quality that is is kind of a part of mindfulness, that it can be simply when we are mindful, we can just simply know what is already here. We don't have to choose what we need, what we are going to be mindful of. So this is this brings in a, a, a kind of a distinction between directing the attention and receiving what's already here. And the directing the attention is, is a little bit of extra um, activity in the mind. And so that it's possible to let go of that extra activity and simply kind of relax and receive. Receive what is happening in mindfulness, in awareness, in the present moment. And so this is, the, this is what I'd like to explore this evening. And partly the, the purpose or reason for exploring this is um, it's useful, it's definitely useful in meditation practice at times to explore this aspect of mindfulness, especially if it feels like um, the mind is getting a little tight or uh, you're pushing a little hard or striving a little hard. It can be useful to, to step back and just explore, okay, rather than picking what I'm going to be being mindful of and holding on to it, can I just step back and receive And so it can be very useful in our meditation practice, but it's also extremely useful in daily life as a a support for our daily life mindfulness practice. Because in daily life, in trying to be be mindful in uh, just throughout the day of what we're doing, of being aware while we're going through our, our everyday activities. If we think we need to choose what we're being mindful of, that little bit of extra activity of mind to pick what we're going to pay attention to, often we, we give it up because our mind, that extra part that's choosing what we, we need to be doing is kind of engaged with the things that we're doing in daily life. And so there is this possibility of... Um, just being aware of whatever it is that we're engaged in in daily life and having this capacity of being aware, of being mindful to kind of go along for the ride and just be present with what's already happening for us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm introducing that this, this evening um, kind of to more generally speak about this quality of receptive awareness, but to uh, potentially you might be interested in exploring it not only in sitting practice at times, but also in daily life. I want to um, take a moment to kind of frame the purpose of our practice and why this particular style of Um, awareness practice might be useful for us. So the purpose, I would say, in just a a couple of sentences, the purpose of our practice is to understand what's happening in our minds, 
to, to become aware and to, to understand what's happening in our minds, to understand how the ways our mind participates in the ways we get caught, the way we struggle, the ways we suffer. And so this understanding or this learning that we're speaking about here is not a kind of an intellectual learning, although there's a piece of that that can be useful, this a kind of reflective capacity of mind that we have and intellectual capacity of mind can be brought to bear on learning about our minds and learning about what's happening, uh, why we're engaged in what we're doing. We can reflect and, and learn some things. But the main avenue for learning in our, um, in our meditation practice is the direct experience, is the, the avenue of being mindful of what's happening. And so we explore what's happening in this moment. We explore when we are caught in struggling and suffering, when, when there's something going on where we're feeling out of sorts or unease or distressed. We can bring mindfulness to experience and that uh, curiosity, so a perspective we need to cultivate or support is, is a, a perspective of being curious about the experience that's happening in the moment, whatever it is, whatever's arising in this moment, being curious about it as a human experience. Just what is the human experience of this, whatever it is, whether it's anger or frustration or body sensation or hearing, whatever is happening, whatever is obvious, what is the experience? What is the human experience of that? It's not our usual perspective. That's uh, when we're engaged in things and in our lives, often our perspective is, what does this thing that's happening mean about me? What does this thing that's happening mean about who I am, what my life is like, and what I need to do to, uh, to further my life? And these are not, necessarily uh, things that we need to avoid doing, but the perspective that helps us to learn about our minds is much more rudimentary. It's just simply, okay, what, this is what's happening? What is this experience as a human experience? Frustration is arising. What's the experience of frustration? Irritation's arising. What does it feel like to be a human being experiencing this irritation? So just in a very simple way, we learn through being mindful of what's arising, of what's happening in the present moment. That perspective of being curious about our human experience brings a a kind of a kind of taps into um, maybe we could call it a kind of systemic wisdom that uh, our, our organism seems to have, that uh, basically, you know, as human beings, as, as living organisms, our organism tends to want to move in the direction of well-being. It wants to move in the direction of, of ease, of, of well-being. And the way our particular human system works, 
there's a lot of feedback loops in that mechanism that moves us to well-being where you know ideas that we have about what might move us to well-being or views or opinions can kind of you know participate in what what we might do to move ourselves in the direction of well-being and so we have this kind of mechanism that wants to move us in the direction of well-being and yet we have this we have a lot of beliefs and views and ideas that kind of get in the way of the natural movement towards a deeper kind of well-being. So one one view that's very common is I need to have this thing in order to be happy or I need to be able to control what's happening around me in order to be happy. So these these uh, these views kind of influence what we believe will make us happy, what we believe will lead to well-being. This is kind of the fundamental piece is that we have ideas and beliefs about what will lead us to well-being that kind of um, overrule or or kind of get in the way of the more natural organism's movement toward well-being. And so what the, the practice of mindfulness begins to do, at least in my experience, is it really begins to point out to us when we are engaged in mental activity that is not that helpful, and so the the way this um, the way the um, the movement towards uh, well being happens when we've got this view of I need to be in control to have to to be happy, for instance is that we have the idea that I will be happy when I'm in control. And so the mind is kind of leaving the present moment, not aware of what the experience of needing to be in control feels like, because we are kind of leaping into the future thinking about what it will feel like when I have control. And so we're missing, actually, in the present moment, that this neediness, this kind of, there's a kind of a tightening in the system and a, a, a clamping down and often an aversion around needing to be in control. And the experience in the present moment when that's happening is not, not in the direction of well-being. And so the, the bringing mindfulness, bringing attention to what is actually happening in the present moment, it's like it lets our our system, it gives our system an education that allows this more natural mechanism or natural movement towards well-being to, to have a fuller set of information with which to act, with which to, to work. And so the, the understanding that comes with our mindfulness practice, the, the meeting our experience with mindfulness, receiving experience and knowing this is what it's like to be a human being, experiencing this thing, creates the conditions for the kind of natural wisdom, the natural wisdom of our system to begin to help us let go of those things that are in the way of a deeper well-being. And to cultivate those things that are, are supportive of that deeper well-being. And so there's very much a, a kind of organic process that happens as we come into mindful attention in the present moment from this perspective of curiosity. And so this receptive awareness that I'd like to, to explore this evening 
is a form of attention. It's a, it's a, it, it's it's both a it's both a, a practice and a, a kind of a natural aspect of mindfulness itself. That mindfulness has this receptive quality, but we can we can practice with receiving experience rather than choosing what we're going to be paying attention to. And so this kind of practice essentially puts us right up into what's happening right in this moment. Whether we're sitting in meditation or moving around our daily lives, if we open to what's happening right now, being aware and what's obvious in this moment, we're going to get to see often what we, what, well, what we do get to see is the, the kind of the unfolding of what has happened up until this moment. So the conditions that have led to this moment. We get to see the results of that. We get to see that the choices that we've made in the past, everything that's gone, gone on in the past, all the different threads of experience that have, have led us to this moment. And what's here right now is a, is a result of that. And so it's very natural. What we're seeing in this moment is nature. It's nature at work. It's the conditions of this life in this moment. And what we're exploring is, can I be with this? Can I notice this? Can I be curious about this? Rather than picking something else to pay attention to, what is already happening? And so this receptive awareness opens us to whatever is obvious in our present moment, and it can be the full range of our human experience. Things happening in our body, body sensations, hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling. If we're eating, for instance, we may be experiencing those things as well. And all the things going on in the mind, our our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, our moods, all of these things are available to be received in the present moment. And in particular, over the, um, over the course of the exploration of this kind of receptive awareness, we, we begin to get curious about, and it feels to me in many ways like the natural orientation of this kind of practice eventually orients towards what's happening in the mind. Not just what's going on in the body, but, but what's going on in the mind. And this is really useful because... As I mentioned a few minutes ago, all of our, kind of the way that our mind kind of gets in the way of this natural movement to well-being, all of that happens in the mind. The beliefs, the views, the emotions, the reactivity, all of that is in the mind. And so as we can can begin to understand the mind, begin to be curious about what's going on in the mind, rather than often when we choose an experience to be attentive to in a meditation practice, we, we often pick a physical experience such as the breath. And this can be very useful for settling the mind and collecting the attention. And then, you know, often once the attention is collected, we, we then begin to explore a broader range of our experience. We can start from this broader range of experience. And part of the reason I'm pointing to this here this evening is is that if we think that we need to get kind of concentrated, get focused, if our attention needs to be focused before we can open our attention to the broader range of experience, it's going to be a long time before we can bring our mindfulness right into our daily lives. Because in our daily lives, we don't often have that luxury to be able to 
stop in the middle of a conversation and say, wait a minute, let me like, you know, pay attention to my breath for a few minutes so that I can know what's happening here in the present moment. What we have to, what we might be, be able to, lo- to learn is having this conversation. Wow, I'm aware and noticing that anxiety is here. Whew, that's what this feels like to be a human being. And, and this is what it's like to be having a conversation. And so this receptive quality to the awareness, as we learn it, it, it is a learning. It is a learning. It's a skill that we can learn. Um, but as we learn to connect with this capacity, it's a natural capacity that we have. It's, it's, uh, it's something that, that, that is not, it's not something we have to start from scratch with. Our minds will naturally do this, but we, we kind of have to orient to it so that we can begin to get familiar with what this receptive quality is like, what this receptive awareness is like. And when we get familiar with that, it becomes recognizable as a kind of, a, of an experience or state. And, and we also see that it, it's, not, it's often not that much effort to connect with it. Just right now, do you know the contact of your hands? Do you know the contact of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench? Do you know that you're hearing right now? How hard is it? How hard is it to know those things? It's actually usually not very hard to know these things for a moment. And this is the kind of lightness of the receptive awareness. In this case, I was pointing you to particular experience. And yet the, the quality there of just knowing that is in, the, is in the landscape of this receiving of experience. Just what's obvious in this moment. And so it's a, it's a light touch of, of awareness, a light touch of mindfulness in the moment. And that's the level of work that needs to happen. It's not a lot. And yet, you know, over, over time we may begin to get a sense of being able to have a little bit of that light touch of effort for a little bit more time. And then get familiar with that flavor of being aware a little more continuously, but not choosing what we're paying attention to. This piece I can't emphasize enough that if we are, especially in daily life, trying to choose what we're paying attention to, it's going to be hard. It's, it, often people just give up. And, and often what people say is, I don't have time to be mindful in my daily life. And that, I think, is because of the view or the idea that we have to pick what we're paying attention to. And if you, if you do think of mindfulness as kind of being on top of always knowing where your attention is and al- I mean, always choosing where your attention is, that is going to be extra. And it, it is going to be very hard to maintain that while you're having to have a conversation with somebody or while you're having to be on the computer and writing an email to direct the attention there 
can be very challenging. And yet there is this possibility of being on the computer and writing an email and simply kind of resting and receiving. This is what it's like to be a human being writing an email. So this quality of receptivity, very supportive in our daily life. One of the first things that's really supportive for this um, receptive quality of attention is relaxation. And in the guided meditation, I started there just to relax the body, relax the mind. And in sitting practice, if you're going to explore this receptive awareness, receptive attention, I encourage you to start with a period of relaxation. There were times in my practice where I did, when I was on retreat, for instance, that I did a whole, a whole sitting of relaxation just to, to kind of let the attention to support, cultivate the conditions for this receptive attention. Because when the body is relaxed, it supports the mind being relaxed. And when the mind is relaxed, it's naturally present. It's actually, when the body and mind are relaxed, what happens is the mind knows what's happening in the present moment. The, the, the non-relaxed mind, the mind that's tense, is usually caught up in thoughts of past or future or thoughts about the present moment. And so the relaxation itself will support a kind of a, a recognition or a connection to, oh, this is, this is what it's like to naturally be aware. And so relax. Is awareness, is there awareness? Am I aware? Am I aware? Again, I, I, I offered that in the guided meditation, the checking in. Do you know that you're aware? And right now, maybe. Do you know that you're aware? Probably, if you're listening and not asleep, the answer is yes. You know that you're aware. Now, how you know you're aware is another question. And it's a subtle experience the experience of awareness itself, of knowing that we are mindful. It's a kind of a subtle experience. And in my own practice, it took some time to get a taste of that as an actual experience, to know this is the experience of awareness. And there's, it's not that there's one experience of awareness either. There's lots of different ways it can feel. And so, but to get, to get the flavor of, oh, this is, this is what it's like to be aware. This is what it's like to be mindful. Initially, that's going to be elusive. And so you don't have to try to figure that out. What seems to happen is over time, if you just kind of are curious about this quality of being aware, and a great place to check into this is in the moment when you notice that you've become aware again. This is a great practice in the sitting, in daily life. Whenever it happens that you notice that mindfulness arises, awareness is here. Let yourself notice awareness in that moment. Kind of consciously recognize, oh yeah, I've become aware. In that moment of awareness returning, there's a kind of a contrast between what the mind mind was like a few moments before when it was lost and what it's like now when it's aware. So this contrast begins to help us to understand more experientially what the experience of being aware is. And you do this over and over again over the course of a long time. It's like moments of noticing awareness arising over a long time. It's like our system begins to understand what it is to be aware. 
We don't even have to try to figure it out if we just have this curiosity and keep being curious in the moment that awareness returns. There's a natural way that when we see something happen many, many times that our mind learns something about it. Again, a kind of a natural capacity of our, of our system is we are learning machines, actually. You watch little babies and they are just like sponges. They're absorbing things. And we have this capacity. And so if we orient to be curious about this moment of awareness arising, we don't have to do much other than be curious. Oh, aware, okay. And over time, the mind begins to understand and recognize, oh, this is what it's like to be aware. I don't remember the moment that I could recognize it. It was just like this very gradual growing of that capacity to recognize that experience of mindfulness itself. And so just being curious about that, being curious about awareness itself. This is this aspect of mindfulness. This is in the Eightfold Path, the factor of mindfulness. Now one thing I want to point to here that's I think it's an important distinction. I've mentioned a little bit about this directing of the attention and that we don't have to direct the attention in mindfulness. Um, That for me was not obvious. When um, When I was in my early years of practice, I thought if I wasn't choosing what I was paying attention to, it meant that I wasn't mindful. If I wasn't choosing to be with the breath or to be with hearing, I thought I was the one that was supposed to direct the attention and know where the, the, the attention was. And that was what mindfulness was. That is actually the factor of attention, that directing, that choosing what to put our attention on. That's, that's another factor in the mind. It's a, it's, a, it's a natural capacity of our minds, this, this capacity of attention. And this attention quality in our mind has kind of some interesting pieces to it. it um, it's amenable to conscious choice. Well, kind of like our breath, you know, we can, with our breath, we can choose to consciously breathe. I can choose, I'm going to breathe in right now. And I can choose, I'm going to breathe out right now. So there's a a choice there. But I can also let go of consciously choosing to control the breath or consciously choosing to breathe in and out. And the breath will breathe itself. The attention is kind of like that. It's amenable to conscious choice. We can consciously choose to pick something to pay attention to. Or we can kind of settle back and let the conditions of our experience choose what attention will land on. Something will always be in our attention, whether we consciously choose it or not. And so this, you know, you know this, actually. You may not have heard it articulated this way, but you know this. Because... Um, You know, when the mind is wandering off in thought, um, you're not consciously, perhaps, when you're walking down the street, you're not consciously choosing to uh, avoid trees and stay on the sidewalk. But that's happening. Because 
we have practiced many times walking down the sidewalk and our minds know how to, how to attend to that, even if we're not consciously attending to it. So this is this factor of attention, that it is amenable to conscious control or we can kind of settle back and allow the attention to kind of follow its, its nature based on the conditions of our mind. And so this receptive awareness practice is doing the latter. Instead of consciously choosing to pick something like the breath, we are exploring, settling back, and knowing that we're aware, and kind of having the sense of following. Where does the attention go? Where does the attention go? So it's, it's not a choosing where the attention goes, but kind of a following. I described this to my teacher, Saito Utejaniya one day, this experience of following the attention. And he, he, he kind of laughed and he said, oh yeah, it's kind of like having a dog on a leash. You know, you, you, you have the dog on a leash and the dog is going to like go all these different places and stick its nose in all these different things and your job is just to hold on to the leash to keep, make sure the dog doesn't run away. And he said, it's like that with the, with the awareness. Your job is to, to just know that you're aware. You know, that's like holding on to the leash. Just know you're aware. Where the attention goes isn't your business. You know, it's like, it's like the dog kind of jumping around, doing this stuff. It's like, we follow it. We watch it. We see what happens. And so it was kind of a revelation for me when I realized that I didn't have to pick what I was mindful of. The, the, as I began to understand this receptive kind of practice, this receptive awareness, there was a, a, a lot more ease and relaxation in the practice. I tended to be a real striver. I tended to really latch on to the breath and stay with it and double down on that when the mind was wandering. And what I began to see is like, okay, I can settle back. The breath may be here for a little while, but then if the mind starts to wander, it's just like, oh, follow that. Oh, okay, the mind is attending to a sound right now. Well, that sound ended up. Oh, there's a body sensation. Oh, what a mood. That's arising now. What's happening? Just following the attention. And so the effort that this um, takes is a very light touch. It's an, the, 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 a lot of the work that we do in meditation practice is about the directing of the attention. Here, it's a much lighter touch to just remember awareness. Can you remember to be aware? In our sitting practice, we can kind of remind ourselves in a way, kind of prompt or remind ourselves, yes, am I aware? Just reminding ourselves to be aware, gentle, light, touch to reminding that. And then what is obvious in that? In our daily lives, um, that reminding ourselves to be aware also may fall off at times because we have other things that we're doing and that's a little bit of mental activity. And yet the moment when mindfulness returns, that moment, kind of orienting to that moment and noticing that that's an effortless moment. And maybe there's a little bit of momentum of that moment that there can be a little bit of awareness that continues for a few moments in daily life. And just know, what is attention? How is attention following? following the attention. And if you, if you have that sense and, and kind of with the receptive attention kind of, it almost feels like to me I'm kind of hooking onto the, 
to the train or something. It's like there's a train moving, the attention is doing its thing, and I've just kind of hooked onto it. And it doesn't take much effort, it's just pulled along. It can just be pulled along. And, and with getting the sense of that, it doesn't take a lot of doing to be, in, to be connected to this kind of mindfulness in daily life. And as, the, as there is a little bit more uh, capacity for um, being present for a little bit more continuity of mindfulness, that the power of that becomes very strong. So this is essentially what concentration is, is a continuity of mindfulness over time. And in this practice, the continuity of mindfulness over time is not on one thing. That's the most familiar way people have of finding concentration is to stay with the breath or stay with one experience over time. And and that's what we think of as concentration. But there's another form of concentration that in the the Buddhist tradition is called momentary concentration or moment-to-moment concentration that is a kind of concentration that's a stability of awareness, a stability of mindfulness, even though experience is changing. And this, this continuity of awareness Basically, it, it allows us to be present with whatever is happening. And the, the continuity begins to create a condition for much less reactivity because we're not, we're not hooking on to anything so much. It's like we're, we're, we're following where the attention is going. Sometimes the attention might land on something for a little bit longer. But in general, the, the attention is going to be shifting and there's not so much... It creates conditions for less reactivity to be happening. So when there's more continuity of mindfulness, the concentration is present and there's l- there tends to be less reactivity. Now in my experience, the kind of settling that happens here, I mean, it, it's a very different kind of experience in a way that um, I did, I, the first time I did a retreat just using this style, of practice. I went to Burma and learned this practice from Saito Uteshaniya and I was there for like six and a half weeks or something and um, a couple weeks in I was realizing that the process of the way the mind settled with this form of practice was quite different. That it's kind of like you know, you're just sitting here it's like okay what's obvious? What's obvious? Well what's obvious at first is a lot of the normal junk that the mind gets up to. It's like, it's just the normal everyday stuff, the little reactivities, the, the grinchiness. That's what we get to see at first. And, and it, it might feel like, well, what's, what's the value here? I mean, I should really get concentrated so I can put, get all that aside so that I can really see clearly. But this practice, the, the settling happens kind of more through all of the, the, the normal conditioning of our lives. Sometimes when I teach this for longer retreats, I'll describe this style of practice as being really an introduction to your mind, your mind 101. That's what we're doing here. We're getting familiar with the mind. And so the settling process, it's slower. It, it feels in a way sometimes like the, the settling process that happens with the, with the concentration practice, with the paying attention to the breath, is kind of like it's narrow and deep. 
we, we connect to the breath and we go down and there's a lot that gets let go of. It's just like breath, something, something grinchy comes up. Oh, let go of that, come back to the breath. Something else, let go, come back to the breath. And so we're kind of, we're, we're setting aside all of that other stuff and just narrowing in. And, and so the mind can settle this way. So that kind of practice can take us to a calm space and yet we haven't learned that much about what else is going on in our mind. And so this kind of practice, my sense is it, it settles kind of much more broad and slow. It's, it's, we're learning about what's going on in our minds. This kind of settling, very condition-specific. The concentration that comes with that usually has pr- very kind of conditions that are necessary for that and you know some of them involve being still with your eyes closed often and so the you know there's some conditions there as soon as we get up and start walking around that kind of concentration breaks or as soon as a big reaction arises uh, the neighbor's dog starts barking and barking and barking it's like okay i can't be mindful of that and maybe we're experiencing aversion and reactivity and so this this kind of concentration is easily broken and the the other, this practice of the receptive awareness of just being with what's happening. It's like you're just, you're knowing, noticing what's happening. Oh, the dog is barking. Oh, barking. Oh, barking is what's happening. Knowing that, knowing that is what's happening. And so the, the settling happens in a broader way. And the, what I have experienced is that the mind settling, it's like it, there's a lot more stability to the settling of the mind as we practice in this way. So the whatever comes up, because we've been practicing with a broad set of experience, we have more capacity to, 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 to meet it, to ride with it. There's another piece to this practice that's, that's important. Um, we're noticing that we're aware relaxing to start with, noticing that we're aware, what we're aware of. A crucial piece that also supports the learning is to also be curious, and I brought this into the, the guided meditation, also be curious from time to time, particularly, particularly if there's suffering happening. What is the relationship to what's happening? So the dog barking, for instance. The dog is barking, you're knowing. The hearing, hearing, hearing. What's the relationship? Frustration or aversion. Maybe. Maybe it's delight. I've certainly experienced in, in working with this kind of open awareness practice the, the delight of something that would not naturally seem to me to be delightful in the, in the conditions of meditation. So for instance, one day on a, a retreat at uh, Insight Meditation Society is somewhere in the middle of a three-month retreat I was doing. Um, I was doing meditation outside and uh, um, just walking meditation and, and um, a truck drove up and the uh, sound was just overwhelming. The sound of the truck, the, the engine, the, the, um, the brakes... And my mind was just in such ecstasy. 
wow, it's a truck. It's amazing. <laughs> so sometimes it can be that kind of relationship. So the the relationship that so when you notice what's happening, you know, just every now and then it can be useful if you're practicing in this style to also check in. Actually, it's it's useful in any style of relation of of practice occasionally to check into how am I relating to this? You know, for instance, if you're paying attention to the breath, if you are doing a concentration practice and paying attention to the breath, how am I relating to the breath? Am I clamping down on it? Or is the mind relaxed with it? So this is a really useful tool in general. But with our, with our following the attention, it's, it's very interesting because, what, as I said, we're not controlling where the attention goes. And so our habits, essentially, our conditioning is kind of choosing where the attention lands. And so there can be revealed to us as, we, as, the, as the attention is kind of picking itself where it's going based on the conditioning, we will be in relationship to what is chosen. I mean, sometimes our mind, uh, and we can begin to kind of get familiar with particular like directions our mind tends to go. Like I discovered at one point, I was just walking, doing walking meditation at the, the monastery in Burma, and um, I was in a very open, spacious state. And every now and then I would notice the mind would like really land on some object firmly. And I got really curious about watching that. It's like mostly it was just kind of in awareness and more broad, not very specific objects. But every now and then the mind would go down and notice some particular object. And I noticed that every single one of those objects was unpleasant. And there was a relationship to that, aversion. But the fact that my mind did that was information. It's like that's a kind of a habitual tendency of my mind to gravitate towards the unpleasant. It's certainly not that everything in my environment was unpleasant. There were plenty of other things going on. And so noticing the relationship can begin to reveal some of our habits of mind. And when we notice that, it's like, like what I did there is like, okay, well, there's that unpleasant experience and there's aversion there. Oh, unpleasant and aversion. And over, over time, the mind began to just recognize, oh, it's just gravitating to the unpleasant. And the aversion fell away. So as we, as we open to the relationship to experience, and there's going to be four basic flavors of this. It's, you're going to be familiar with several of these. Well, you know, it's going to be the flavor of greed, wanting something. The flavor of aversion, of not wanting something. The flavor of delusion, of not quite connecting or of some kind of a view, an idea, a belief that's operating. And the fourth is basically okayness, balance of mind, ease of mind. So in noticing that relationship, there's not much we need to do other than just let it become something that we're aware of. Again, this, this receptive practice, we are kind of letting the learning do its thing rather than trying to figure out what to do with something. So when we notice a relationship, it's like, okay, this is the human experience of aversion. At least we're aware of it now. It's kind of been pulled into consciousness so we know that it's happening. 
And then another great thing about, about this relationship piece is that some of the time we are going to discover contentment or ease or curiosity or interest. And often our minds orient not to those things. In fact, we might miss that entirely. Like contentment with just walking down the street. How often do we really notice that? We might notice it on rare occasion. But this kind of relationship to experience actually happens more than we might think. And so checking into the relationship at times, we might recognize some beautiful qualities of mind, of contentment or ease or happiness or peace, of delight or joy or curiosity. And so I offer this as a way to explore your practice both in sitting and in daily life. And it's time to stop. So thank you for your attention.